Welcome to Modern Figures Podcast, hosted by Dr. Jeremy Waysom and Dr. Kyla McMullen, where we are elevating the voices of Black women in computing to inspire the next generation of the advanced technology workforce. This podcast exists to highlight the stories of Black women in computing, to inspire high schoolers and the young at heart, and to dispel the myths and preconceptions about Black women in computing. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. This season is generously supported by NCWIT and CRAWP. The National Center for Women and Information Technology, or NCWIT, is a nonprofit community that convenes, equips, and unites change leader organizations to increase the influential and meaningful participation of girls and women in technology. And the Computing Research Association's Committee on Widening Participation in Computing, or CRAWP, endeavors to increase the success and participation of underrepresented groups in computing research and education at all levels. Okay, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Modern Figures Podcast. Today we have Lori Mitchell, who is joining us from where? Lori, where are you at right now? All the way from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) So Lori is originally from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and um, we met Lori, I believe it was at a Black Compute Her event where Kyla and I were hosts extraordinaires and (laughs) MC and connect people with um, some of the really amazing black women in tech that we've, you know, not necessarily encountered over our trajectory on this podcast. And so we are really excited because we get to highlight Lori's story today. Uh, Lori is the founder and president of Black Women in Technology. And what I love about her story is that she is self-taught. So when we talk about computer science and technology being something for everyone, you can literally start from the ground up. So she began her trajectory in CS as someone learning how to become a systems analyst and then decided to switch into this space. So she was already working Um, in respiratory care as a respiratory therapist, and then decided to have a career switch and pursued a bachelor's of science in information systems at Penn State University. Once she was done there, she became a clinical analyst in an IT department at a hospital, and then parlayed her experiences into multiple positions in IT across the United States tell you a little bit about um, Black Women in Technology. So it originated as a meetup group in late 2014. Um, When Lori was new to Los Angeles and a self-described tech enthusiast, she started attending tech events around the city. Today, the group boasts more than 500 members, all Black women, ranging in ages from 20 to 67 and maybe even more. (laughs) And they're dedicated to learning um, about their past in technology and becoming the future of tech. So Lori's goal with Black Women in Tech is to provide a cohesive platform for African-American and other women to develop relationships, receive recognitions, network, and learn from one another. In 2015, Lori became one of two community members of uh, AnitaB.org's and local initiative, so the ABI.LA group, um, they were the first to launch these initiatives that were local across the U.S. And their group's launch was held at Google. And in October 2018, Black Women in Technology launched its first inaugural Northwest Summit in Seattle. This event was held on Microsoft's campus and hosted over 300 women from all backgrounds on topics ranging from blockchain to self-care. So you can see why our paths have crossed. (laughs) Uh, She is passionate about outreach, reading books. She's got lots of hobbies, different initiatives, and side hustles. So we're going to try to get into all of that today. But Lori, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. 
I know that, you know, <laughs> we've, we've been, I feel like we've had this conversation on every show lately, Kyla, that we've been kind of struggling to get our schedules together with people. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. <laughs> um, but we finally got Lori here. Yes. I think part of our conversation on uh, listening to you on a panel and some of the things that you said really resonated with both of us. And yeah. so we were like, we have to get Lori here. Um, and here you are. Yay. So yes. we want to know everything. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> I will try to tell you everything. Okay. So, we'll do a Vulcan email virtually. Okay. <laughs> so how did you grow up? Like, what was it like growing up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania? Well, it's Harrisburg. You have to be here. But <laughs> I will say that I am the oldest of five children. And uh, I was very interested in science uh, as a child. There was a book club that you could belong to when I was younger um, that only sent you space and earth science types of books. Hmm. And I loved those books. I was a stargazer. <laughs> I was a rock collector. I loved my earth science and space. And it was just wonderful to me. Then I moved over to chemicals. I had my first chemistry set when I was in third grade. Oh, um, wow. I didn't blow up anything, but some <laughs> some stuff came up over the the peach, not the petri dish, but the beaker. <laughs> and then I had to be careful and put that stuff away. Mm. Um, I also became very interested in uh, biology. And I got my first microscope uh, when I was 12. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So I was a little science nerd uh, in addition to being a music nerd. Um, and that's how, that's how I grew up. Um, I was in every club that you can imagine in, in high school. I was in band. I was a band brat. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I continued. Yeah. Hey, and I continued on with my, my science studying uh, with the intention of perhaps becoming a, a physician one day. Hmm. Uh, and I took independent biology classes and, you know, uh, I was in a program called Upward Bound where they gave yeah. you uh, extra, extra oomph for your math and your physics and your science. Uh, so that's what it was like to be in Harrisburg and to be, in high school. It was a, a very cool time for me. Uh, a, a, a time of awakening and understanding and learning that I really appreciated a lot. Hmm. Did you have any like role models or anyone who was kind of championing science for you? No, no, I did not. I didn't. I was, um, like I said, the oldest of five. So usually what I was trying to do was ignore the other four. <laughs> You're like, leave me alone with so my experience. So I needed, <laughs> yeah, I needed to pull away and I needed to read. I needed to, you know, do things. My brother and I used to build models of uh, Apollo, whatever this, that, and the other. So cool. we used to do things like that as well. So you were like an independent science contractor. Like no one had to like <laughs> steer you <laughs> into that direction. Cool. No, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, I enjoyed my rocks. I really did enjoy those rocks. I tell you, somebody threw them out when I went to college. Fighting words. It's fighting. That's awful. Yeah. That's so it's one awful. of those like, sisters. It's one yeah. of those sisters of mine. They, that sounds right. They didn't appreciate it. I, I yeah. do enjoy rocks, and apparently so does my toddler. Um, so we collect, you know, stuff outside. And I think it's it's a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. I still have stuff that I probably should, like, I show people this all the time. I'm sitting next to, like, this block of concrete that I made. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. I love how it just comes out randomly. For those of you who are just listening and not watching, Jeremy pulls out this huge, almost like paper towel size (laughs) concrete cylinder. It looks cool. It is cool. It's got some limestone in there and some granite. Yeah, I'm just hating. I do not know the ingredients for concrete, so I'm just hating. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that, you know, stuff like that, I, I feel like it's benign. Like people see you doing it and they don't realize like science could be a good pathway for you if you're interested in those types of things. Cause you like to, you know, categorize things or, you know, look at different features of whatever you're finding for whatever reason. It doesn't have to make sense, but yeah. Well, I got to tell you, my mom, uh, got me interested in technology. She, bought us all those and you guys will not know this <laughs> try me try me uh she bought us those mattel games oh those little mattel games that, and i had a soccer game my brother had a football game i remember you know somebody like had a baseball game and had like two buttons yeah yeah they were only <laughs> yeah. so big and they had the red the red infrared things going across mm-hmm. and you had to pretend you know that so that was my first foray into tech because I do believe I took that apart. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you discover? <laughs> that I couldn't put it back together and make it work. You were an early engineer. Yes. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And my mom also bought home uh, an IBM 386. Oh, wow. Computer. From work, they were getting That's rid of it, original. so she bought it home. Those eighty sixes were there, and were it was huge. My brother and I got to that thing. We <laughs> took it apart. Uh oh. We were able to put it back together, okay. and it came on. But then we kept taking it apart, and after a while, it just gave up. I was like, "Look, y'all playing too much now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but that I found that to be fun, and. uh very interesting that you could take it apart, put it together, and it would work again. So from that perspective, you know, there's always that tinkering part of me that wants to, you know, just obliterate something. I, I look at my iPhone sometimes and I think, no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the same thing. I'm like, if they would just give us access like that's the only reason yeah. I like PCs over MacBooks. Only in the aspect that you can take it out, swap out things, and not have to go to the store. Versus, you know, MacBooks a little more complicated, and they void your warranty if you do. But, you know, it's the warranty for me. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> I'm not gonna mess that up. And now they've soldered things to the board, so yeah. it's I like, know that really is so don't unfair. Want to stuff, it's not fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a computer scientist or engineer by any means, but (laughs) I do enjoy soldering things and taking stuff apart. Um, I don't feel confident that I would be able to put it back. (laughs) You can, if you see what it looks like and just put it back the way it looks. Mm. I was always maxing out everybody's RAM in college. Like, that was my thing. Like, I'll be like, go buy some memory and I will put it in there for you. That's what my dad was for. So... I know that, you know, you had this passion, right, and for science that you were interested in, but that's not the direction exactly that you followed, right? Like, you ended up going to a community college, right, to get an AA? Well, I can tell you what I did first. This okay. is the first time I went to college. I usually don't put that down anywhere because it was the first time I didn't finish college. So I don't, I don't like that that was a thing. But I went to a college for three years. Mm-hmm. I was doing pretty well, but decided to get married. So mm-hmm. when I went to college, I took uh, uh, liberal arts biology and wanted to become a med tech. I wanted to become a med tech because I didn't see a lot of black med techs when I would go mm-hmm. on site visits uh, for career fairs. So I wanted to become a med tech and insert myself into the department and just be a, you know, a pain in somebody's side. So, <laughs> so um, I decided to get married after three years of college and 
quickly had children. And so I couldn't go back to school to finish my my uh, fourth year because it's not as easy as it is now with virtual learning and all of that. Oh, no, that would have been really hard. Yeah, so it was a problem. So I decided to stay in the vein of of uh, biology and I would go into respiratory therapy because again, I did want to work in the lab mm-hmm. or from bounce off from that lab uh, experience to becoming a physician. So either way, I figured something that I could make work in order to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. But I went to respiratory school and got my uh, associate uh, degree in applied science and worked as a respiratory therapist from 1993 to 2008. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So you so liked can it. you tell our listeners? Yeah. Can you tell our <laughs> listeners what, what you do as a respiratory therapist so they have an idea? Absolutely. Uh, we deal with cardiopulmonary issues of, of uh, humankind. And what we would do, we would uh, be the ones to maintain uh, airways, maintain a patient's oxygen level. Uh, and you could do that through different modalities. One of the main modalities we used was ventilation when you place someone on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. and uh, maintain it, make sure it's working like it's supposed to, configure it, whatever it needs to happen, whatever needs to happen for the patient, that's what you do. We also gave out breathing technical. treatments. Yeah, breathing treatments to people that had asthma, COPD. Uh, we also took care of neonates, all the way from neonates all the way up to, you know, people who were 100 years old. <laughs> Amazing. And so, I mean, if you think about the current climate we're in, right, like you, you are what people refer to as essential personnel. That's what you were doing. Something that like, you know, if you have someone coming in from an emergency, mm-hmm. probably you're one of the first people to have hands one on. One of the first there. Mm-hmm. Get respiratory down here, stay. Right. Yeah. That's what we heard a lot. Yeah. Where's mm-hmm. respiratory? You know. <laughs> You're like, I'm right here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So eventually you decided to to transition out of this field that you were doing well in and to become a clinical analyst and to just sort of change into having a tech focus. So like what was that? Uh what was the thought behind that transition? Like what made you go in that route and like how'd you prepare? Well, respiratory therapy is technical by nature. Mm-hmm. We always have gadgets and we are always playing around with the ventilator. Are you and... taking apart the ventilators too? Well, yeah, you could do that. <laughs> we had to take apart, you know, one of these machines, we had to take it apart and put it back together. Because it, it, it was one of those things. And it was just, it was fun because we would mm-hmm. race one another to do it, make sure we did it <laughs> oh, right. Wow. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Um, But when I got that position in the department as a system administrator, and I was learning words like uh, database, uh, database machine, uh, systems machine, uh, application server, uh, the server names, PK unzip, uh, DOS, five, um, all these different things that we were doing, um, I was intrigued by it and began to dig into each one of those things separately and understood how uh, uh, a system would work, how you put a system together. You need the database, you need the application, you need the server, you need a file server, you need all these different things. And uh, it was amazing to me to see how our system worked. We were using handheld computers before. I mean, this is the 90s and we're using handheld computers. And we were downloading our workloads in the computers. We were going out, performing our functions, uh, documenting and charting on patients, keeping track of inventory, things like that through these boxes and uploading and downloading and divvying out you know, reports and, mm-hmm. and workloads. It was really amazing. That sounds like magic for the nineties. 
Well, yeah, it was magic. It cost a lot. <laughs> how, um, but it was magic. How big were these computers that you had to like that you were taking around? So we called it the brick. <laughs> we called it the brick because you could drop it from, I think they said like eight feet, seven, eight feet. You could drop it and it wouldn't break. <laughs> oh, wow. That's oh, how thick wow. it was. It was a symbol technologies, 3000 handheld computer. And it had a screen that was like two inches by two inches. You could hardly see anything oh, on it. <laughs> But but you could see enough to do your work. Uh, it was bigger. The, the screen was the smallest thing on it. The battery was bigger than the screen. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was it was a pretty cool system. And the fact that I got a chance to sit there and learn it, um, almost at my leisure, I was able to go out for training. I was a part of the user group. I became really involved with this system. And it was very interesting to me. Uh, and I really appreciated the opportunity. And that's when it goes to having a, a supervisor or a manager that is interested in mentoring. Mm. And that's what I found out with my manager. She was interested in mentoring me uh, by allowing me to take these steps to use and, and configure this system. And it was, it was great fun. It really was. But then I decided, well, why don't I do this full time? Mm. Why don't I do this tech stuff full time? So thought about it, went up to Penn State, see if they would have me. <laughs> and then uh, I went ahead and, and got into their information systems program. And it took me two years to get done with it. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah, I, I went into children. yes. It was hard. I went into poverty. Oh my gosh! To to figure out, I it was hard. It was really hard. No joke. So I had two children mm -hmm. with me. One of my children had passed away already. Sorry. So that was um, that was a catalyst, a life changing event for me to to change the trajectory mm -hmm. in order to do something that would make me feel like I was accomplishing accomplishing something so that was an experience that was needed for me to go in the direction that I went to now I can say that now but back then I was a mess yeah. but but I can definitely say that there's a a method to to the madness and there's a method to life and you just follow where it takes you. Absolutely. Wow. So when you, you had a lot on your plate as you were making this transition. Um, was it everything that you thought it would be? Was it different? Was it, because uh, you finished in two years. It was. So. <laughs> it was awesome. I got my first job at a hospital mm -hmm. and, a and as a clinical analyst, I had a ball. <laughs> I had a ball. First of all, I noticed that the women in the department did applications only. And the men did the hard tech. They did the hardware. They did the servers. They did all that stuff. So I didn't like that. So I was always over on the side where the men were so they could show me how to do things. And they did. They showed me how to how to set up an exchange server. They showed me how to set up other servers. I maintained the servers. I took call for the servers. I took, I did so much. Mm -hmm. I learned radiology technology, you know, DICOM. I learned HL7. I learned EDI X12. I learned all these different languages um, and integration tools for technology and healthcare. It was just amazing. I had a ball. I had a ball. I enjoyed it greatly. That's real cool. So eventually you decided to head to LA. So what prompted that decision? Or are we jumping a few ahead? <laughs> You're jumping a few ahead, but I don't mind. I'll take it back. <laughs> okay. One, one of the significant things about working in technology is, uh, is the pay. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's the pay. It pays well. 
But when I got my first job uh, out of school uh, working in tech, it was okay. It wasn't the best, but it was okay. Mm-hmm. So I worked there for five years. And afterwards, I decided to move on to another opportunity in the area. So that's what I did. Uh, that was a 20000 a year jump in sa- salary. Wow. Just by making that change. So then I decided to work that job for a couple of years. And then I moved on to become a consultant, a consultant in healthcare and the electronic medical record that I was uh, certified to work in. Mm. So I did that and bam, another $20,000 a year <laughs> salary raise. Yeah. Cause now you get to make your salary, right? Like I, I, I do, I do as a consultant. So I mean, it was really working out well. And then at the end of that one, that was about six months. Next thing you know, I'm up to six figures. And I had no idea how any of that even happened. (laughs) So then eventually I ended up. That's how it happened, right? Like you knew what you were doing. Well, it was, it was amazing to me. And the struggles that I had been struggling with before, uh, more or less became uh, an issue of the past. And mm-hmm. I appreciate the struggle, but I appreciate it being able to make money to survive and to yeah. live. So then after that, I took a job in LA as a consultant and they liked me so much, they asked me to work for wow. them. So I moved everything to LA. I moved there by myself Um packed up everything and moved, left my kids behind. They were older now. And I was like, you'll get over it. <laughs> and moved to LA and had uh, a great time in Los Angeles working for Cedar sinai and wow. worked there for about mm, three, four years, I think. Three, four years, three years and, and took months. a job as the <laughs> IT director I said huh? three years and three months, says your LinkedIn. <laughs> three years and three months. Uh, and took a job as a, first as an IT manager and then as an IT director for uh, CHE Behavioral Health. So you just pivot, So that's you what just I did. Like and I stayed there up. and that's, that kept going oh, yeah. up, kept going up. And which was something I hadn't expected to do necessarily. Uh, but I appreciated the opportunities. So that's where my IT, you know, life has taken me so far. And I'm not done yet. Okay. So I was uh, recently downsized. Oh, wow. Hmm. So what I'm doing now is just building, building back up. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not done yet. So you'll see more of me in the tech side. <laughs> nice. I love that. When, when you said uh, you were just building on things, Kyla, I was like, levels, levels, levels. Yeah. <laughs> we always check like our like sound where it's at by doing that. And no, but Kyla's she is the definition of levels, levels, levels. <laughs> I know. That's what I thought. Um, that's so cool. I think it's almost like you, you, to me, it's like you're fearless, right? Like you're somebody who took a lot of risks. You're saying it like it was oh, and I did this, and then I did that, and then I did that. But, like, really and truly, it took courage to even just move into the space initially. Like, great courage, especially with, like, young, really young children to make that big of a change in a time where, yes, there there was a lot of technology and stuff in use, but I don't think that it was very clearly defined anywhere how to enter into these spaces it's not like you had the internet and yeah (laughs) well i got the internet i did i saw this (laughs) internet thing coming out and i was like you know i said a prayer and i said god i don't want to be left behind yeah and an opportunity came up for me to get a free computer it was a packard bell okay (laughs) You don't remember that, do you? It's okay. No, I remember I Packard Bell because it became HP, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I remember I have, I have small memories. So I had a Packard Bell computer and then I started uh, with my uh, modem, my 9.6 baud wow. modem. And I started connecting to the internet through AOL. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started learning about this computer more. And, and I had already been to a computer class to take apart computers and put them back together. Right. <laughs> so then I, you know, that was the first time I experienced a virus on my computer. I cleaned mm. it off. I did all this kind of stuff myself. Uh, and that's where the self-taught part came in. So that okay. opportunity to get that computer really, really helped me when it came to understanding the jargon, yep. you know, creating a website on GeoCities. Oh, yes, and Angel Fire. That was the other one. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so it, it was um, it was quite an, quite an experience, but I prayed I did not want to be left behind. And you certainly were not. You were like, I'm going to keep reskilling and learning about what's coming up. And Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm used to doing. Mm -hmm. And I recommend that for anybody. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't take that traditional trip uh, through tech. I was 38 when I graduated. I was 38 and worried that no one would hire me because I was 38 and Black. And I was really concerned about that. I was the only black woman in my class. And I was, the main main thing that was taught in class was a lot of programming and coding. And I came to the conclusion that's not my, that's not my calling. And uh, Java did it for me. Java just killed it. And I could not bring myself to code anything for anybody, anywhere, any place. <laughs> I mean, but I think that's also a good example of how you can be in tech without having to have a job that's purely coding. Like there's so many Amen. avenues and yeah. And it's, I feel like now though, if you were to jump into it, there's so much that they've done with like these editors and how like you write half a line and it's like, oh yeah, let me fill in the rest of the blank for you. And it's correct. But that's still not like where people want to live, Kyla. Like some of us just, you know, want to help <laughs> solve the problems from a different angle. I right? Like we need you. <laughs> I get. We need you. Absolutely. But y'all need us too. <laughs> it's true. Everyone's needed. Uh, but I did want to ask, like, did you have any sort of like situations like either, you know, in your job or during school where it was like very blatant that you are a black woman? Like, did you always feel included or did you feel as though you had to kind of break into spaces? Well, I always felt like I had to break into spaces. But one of the things that I noticed about myself, I was used to being the only one in the room. I remember uh, being in second grade and, and winning an award for something. And we had to go to this fancy hotel. I was the only black girl there. So um, it's something that I've been used to. As old as I am now, I, I find it sad that we're still in that same predicament. I really do. I thought we would be way down the line by now. But um, the main problem that I remember having uh, at an organization that shall not be named was when I was told I was aggressive. And I can't tell you what I said because this is a family show. <laughs> you do have a G rating. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah. So I don't want to. No, okay. but, <laughs> but, but you can imagine um, when someone calls you aggressive and they tell you that, you know, you're being, your, your colleagues are complaining about you because you're aggressive. The way you talk, it's just, you talk so rough. The, the way you, you, uh, explain yourself. It's just, they just, they just feel very uncomfortable. And again, I can't tell you what I said, but pretty much I explained that there was a, a moment missed, a, a management moment missed when that could have they could have been explained to as to if you have that problem you can go to Lori and you can talk to her about it but they're so worried that I'm gonna rip their heads off because the manager believes that I'm this person as well 
because mm-hmm. I, it, it was just, mm-hmm. it really made me very upset. I mean, because people have the very same behavior upset. and don't get those labels. People who don't look like us have the, can exhibit the same, and they're like, oh, they're just tenacious. They're just, you know, they just have so much veracity. And it's like, oh, coming from a black woman, oh, okay, now I'm threatened. Now they're threatened. And, you know, I complained about on being on the receiving end of someone who wasn't black, uh, being screamed at and, and all and finger pointing and everything and nothing was ever done. But for me, I found out how black I was when they told me that I was aggressive. I was like, oh, I am black. <laughs> like I thought so, it was cool. I guess you just see me as aggressive now. Yeah, man, I was hoping, you know, when you said part of your story about how like, you know, the folks will show you like the hardware side and different things that maybe it was a little bit different and that, you know, you had these great mentors that welcomed you into spaces, but she is shaking her head. (laughs) (laughs) But I've had some great mentors, you know, don't get me wrong, but that one wasn't one. So I had to, you know make plans and, you know, it caused me to be very cautious and walk around almost whispering to everybody because I didn't want everybody to think I was being this mad black woman whispering, ready to, yeah, ready to rip them in half. Um, But, you know, I still held that, that same, I took a disc assessment. Mm. You ever take a disc Mm -hmm. assessment? Took a disc assessment and I am if I remember correctly, a high, oh, I can't remember. I'm not even going to try. But um, the disc assessment showed that, again, I am, I'm a, I'm a control person. I like to control things. I like to make sure things are a certain way. And that was mistaken for being an aggressive or assertive. They changed it to assertive instead mm-hmm. of aggressive. To me, it's the same thing. I feel like that was like the dominance part, the D, like being bold and being assertive. But for some reason, that boldness looks different in different packages to people. Like they take it as different things in different packages, which is a shame because you're definitely missing out on leaders and trying to basically snuff out people's, you know, their own just their aptitude there because you're like, oh, no, your tenacity is seen as something that is threatening to me. So I've, I've recently had a conversation with a friend about something very similar at work. And I wish that was not still the narrative, you know, it's the narrative because I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, unspoken bias mm-hmm. when it comes to black people in general, and especially to black women. And it goes back to even earlier, earlier in our existence where, where people see something, they, especially some of the shows and stuff on TV, don't get me too mm-hmm. started on entertainment, mm-hmm. but there, there are moments where we're depicted uh, a certain very negatively and uh, they take that to heart when it comes to meeting people for the first time. And when someone asks you, are you all black? Are you sure? Are you, you know, do, do you know where you come from? Where, where are you from? You know, do you know this rap song? (laughs) Things like that. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, I, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, some of the tropes that you would see, you know, in the media. But I also think about like culturally how black women are raised in this Mm -hmm. country. Like we're kind of raised to be strong and independent and problem solvers, really. Like we are expected to just be able to make stuff happen. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And the lens, like the idea of like this magical black girl being able to accomplish in spite of, um, people find that intimidating. Yeah. And when someone's intimidated by you, they assign all of these negative ideas about your personality that may not even apply to you at all. Right. right? Um, and so I, I get that from other people a lot that like, 
I'm intimidating and people are scared of me. And it's like, not really scary. <laughs> I saw like a meme online that was like, yeah, and it's like, what is that? What does that even mean? It, and I think if you sat them down and asked them to explain, what does that mean that you're scared? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. What What does that? What does that? Am I going to bite you? Am I going to stab right. you? Am I? What does that mean? And um, it's unfortunate. I'm the oldest of five. How else am I supposed to speak? I had I had four brothers and sisters I had to holler at. <laughs> yeah, they don't see it yeah. that way. I, I saw um, something online that kind of flipped the script on that conversation. It's like, am I intimidating or are you intimidated? Because I don't have anything to do with your perception of me. Because you might, mm-hmm. just, just because you're intimidated of me, that does not make me intimidating. So, Right. Or like, I don't think that I'm better than you because right. I'm over here doing my right. work. If me minding right. my like, business, I'm just doing my you work. have a problem with me. That sounds like a personal problem. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's a real thing. That really is. And I think there's also used to the mammy stereotype of acquiescing and yes. let me help, let me this. And the second that you're not that, it's like, oh, wait, I thought you're supposed to be just so helpful and selfless and this. You have thoughts and ideas and opinions and you're ready to voice them. How dare you? I feel like that's the <laughs> intimidating uh, part, intimidating mm, and air quotes yeah. part of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well put. But I want to, let's, let's transition because those are some of the negatives, you know, that you've experienced as a black woman in technology, but you're doing something extremely positive about black women in technology. So we want you to be able to talk all about black women in technology, how it got started, all of those things for anyone who's not familiar with it that's listening. Well, thank you. I will do that. I will tell you when I graduated from Penn State, I was looking for an organization to belong to. I like to belong to organizations, good networking, you know, uh, deals and things that go on with the, or associations or organizations. And I couldn't find one to match where I was. I was 38 years old. I was a non-traditional student. I've been married and divorced. I have children. I am, you know, just just here and just trying to figure out who would take me. And in Harrisburg, Harrisburg is a small town and there was no organization like that here. So I go and I continue on with my career and then I end up in Los Angeles. And I've been obviously thinking about this for years and trying to figure out who and where can I belong without feeling intimidated. I felt intimidated by educational pedigree People, you know, graduated from Stanford. I graduated from Harvard. I graduated from, and I'm like, I graduated from little old Penn State. And, uh, you know, it it was uh, intimidating. And some people, uh, some organizations only wanted engineers. They only wanted, you know, uh, certain people. And I didn't fit that mold. I didn't work in an IT department where I was dealing with the hardware and the, and the servers and, and the network and all of that. So I wanted to create something where everyone would be invited to the table to attend. So I created Black Women in Technology and launched it in 2014. I'll never forget. It was October 4th, 2014. And I did that with the intention of having everyone and anyone who says they work in tech because just because you work in tech doesn't mean you work in a tech company. You don't work at a tech. Tech is everywhere. Tech tech is in businesses everywhere. And if you're sitting there and you're working the help desk, you're in tech. If you're sitting there and you're an analyst, you're in tech. So whether they were tech adjacent or tech there, Mm -hmm. I wanted them to feel a part of the support system. So that's why I created black women in technology. No, you made your own community. Yeah, I I did that. I did that for myself because um, I wanted women to, I didn't want them to feel like I felt when I graduated and I was by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, If they are able to, 
to have someone to bounce something off of that's ideal and that's just perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that we've recently discussed was imposter syndrome. And, you know, when you find out that you've been working in tech all these years as I have, and still feel like I have some imposter syndrome, that was just uh, a great discovery for me. So it, it's those types of topics, the microaggressions, the bias, mm. the whatever we can talk about. It's a safe platform. It's it's there for us to discuss and to just let it all out. How you feel, how everything has been going with you and your tech life. That's what we're about. So how often do you meet? So what we do every other week, there is a virtual networking event where women come on. What I do, I try to have a special guest <laughs> for about 15 minutes. And then after the special guest, we get to talk amongst ourselves about, and the guests can definitely be included. Uh, and we talk amongst ourselves about some of the things we're going through. And I'm telling you, some of these people are really going through, going mm. through some stuff, especially at work. I believe oh, yeah. And And I feel so bad, but the thing that is good is there's a whole host of women on that call trying to encourage them to stay Mm -hmm. the course and to hang in there and to, you know, utilize self-care, do what you have to do. Don't let them get to you. Uh, And that's the thing that's special to me. I love that that people are taking the time to do that. Yeah. One of the themes that we've seen on the podcast is that making community when there is not community, like that has been a lot of people's, you know, success milestone. Like, Hey, I did not see people doing what I'm doing. Guess what I'm going to do? Make a group for us. And now we have community. So I love that. That's also part of your story too. Just a quick question. Would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? An introvert. Really? Huh. Yeah. See, I would have. So you. She has introvert vibes. I could see maybe the introvert. But then you made this huge organization. So introverts can also get people to convene and have these huge orgs. Yeah. And then they need to sleep for three days. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's why I say I'm an introvert. I, I can do it. And the whole time I'm doing it, I'm running on anxiety oh adrenaline, not normal adrenaline, anxiety adrenaline. It reminds then, me of um, Jamika Burns, oh yeah. right? Like, she's an introvert, according Which to I her. Which I refuse to believe, but we'll let her claim <laughs> introvert. <laughs> um, but, you know, just, there's a lot, I think there are a lot of people who understand, like, introvertism does not mean isolation. Right. Right? Like, it means that you you just need to be able to recharge away. Yeah, you draw your energy yes. from not but being around people. You need people. people. <laughs> yeah, you need people still. Yeah. And, and especially in a space where, you know, you may not find characteristics of others that you work with, or even in the community you live in, mm-hmm. who you can relate to. So, I think it's beautiful to have and it's a virtual community but also you have in-person events yeah they have the summit what what was it like having the summit in microsoft i was exhausted (laughs) i don't hardly remember what happened (laughs) but it was it was amazing it was an amazing thing i i mean how many people can say i've been to microsoft headquarters right um now, I was there last week and I just saw, you know, no, 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 it doesn't happen that way. So we were there at the headquarters and it was quite an event. It was really quite an event. And the night before we had a reception at the African-American Museum in Seattle, blew my mind, blew, just completely blew my mind. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was an awesome event. And then uh, the next day at the summit, seeing all those women come through and people walking up to me and saying, I'm so glad you had this. I really appreciate that you put this on for us. All the women that presented were black. They were women and they were black. And that's one of the things that we wanted to make sure happened. We're teaching us. We're teaching us because we are 
uh, qualified to do so. Not because we just thought it was a cheap, you know, cheap trick to do, but because we're qualified, we're qualified to teach ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what was, uh, that Northwest summit was about. So our other, are there in on-site events will be happening since COVID has let up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we'll be having some more on-site events in the coming year, especially in 2023. Um, I've also uh, partnered with Blacks in Technology. And between Blacks in Technology and Black Women in Tech, we aim to stop the divide and bring as many people into technology as possible. That's awesome. So please keep us posted. Yeah, so we can like promote what you're up to, like on our social media as well. So we can be and go as well and to attend and promote. Just let us know. I we would love to support everything that you're doing because it really aligns with what we are trying to do um, through our podcast, through our nonprofit, um, and the work that we hopefully will will be able to do to change like black girls trajectories, um, in computing and tech. Um, what is like something that you feel like was really exciting to see? Like, is there some one story from these past six, seven, eight years of your organization that you would want to like share that was a cool outcome maybe? Yes. I remember we went to, uh, we went to an Amazon event in Santa Monica Mm -hmm. and I posted the event on meetup and women signed up for it. So we had no idea what was going to be going on there. We just wanted to make sure that we (laughs) were. So nobody's going to tell us we can't be there. So let's go. Right. So uh, we went there and, you know, the commentator person was talking, you know, way over everybody's head, even the men in the audience. There weren't that many women in there. And then here comes five black women just sitting around, just like chilling and talking. And, you know, it was uh, quite an event because the women that sat there, they were amazed because they felt like they had been missing something because no one had invited them to these types of events. Mm. Sure. We go to events where, you know, we network amongst one another, but, one of the things that we miss out on is going to other events. Like, you know, when's the last time there was a large group at IEEE, a large group of black women, at IEEE, or some of the other groups. So that's why we showed up at this Amazon group. And it's still the same to this day. There still aren't that many people that go to those types of events. And those are the events that we need to be at. We need to be yeah. shown. Yes, it's okay to go to an event where we're amongst ourselves, but we need to fan out. We need to fan out numbers. And mm-hmm. that's what we did that day. It may have only been five of us, but we were there. And it's noticed mm-hmm. whenever. And we were, no. yes, we put them on notice. We exist. We're here. You can keep talking. That's cool. As long as I can leave here with a free Amazon. <laughs> Echo. Echo was just now coming mm. out. You get seen as, oh, you're the diversity person. You don't want to come to this real tech thing. It's like, no, I, uh, you can invite me to the mainstream things as well. You know, I, I feel like we need to orchestrate a, tech, need a takeover, takeover, takeover. I feel like that needs to be the word. A oh, <laughs> I love that. We just need to figure out one that. place and just make a tech over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and we need to, you know, we need to show up. If we don't do anything else, we need to show up. And that's been also part of my philosophy. We need to be there, even if we think we're going to be the only one. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, and I I think that it's great that you also support other organizations like AnitaB.org and Black Compute Her. And so you have both, right? Like you're um, intentionally participating in both of these you know spaces where it's like these are the things for me and these are the things for y'all to know that i'm me yes and i am all the things that y'all don't think i could be right like i am excellent and knowledgeable and proficient and capable and i belong here as much as you belong here maybe a little bit more right (laughs) 
Yeah, we all need to get to that point. Impos- imposter syndrome be damned. Right. We need to get to, we need to get to that point where we are yes, I need to be here. I belong here because I just do. Yeah. And I can And then it's no longer black women in tech or black computer or anything. It's just women in tech. Mm-hmm. We all just become women in tech instead of, you know, calling out ethnicity or, or race. But in the meantime, that's what we're going to do so that we know, everyone knows that we're here. I love it. I can live for that dream. That's a cool dream. Yeah, it's a cool dream. Like Maybe that. by the time my granddaughter gets up to her age, I'm a grandmother. By I the way, I saw that. You have profile. three beautiful grandma, three beautiful grandchildren: Aww. Langston, London, and Liza. Aww. I like the alliteration. That's it's all sweet. named after me because I'm Lori. <laughs> That's really sweet. Oh, that is sweet. I don't know if you saw a little Afro poof in the because <laughs> Amara had to come visit. But... Of course, <laughs> <laughs> she's our um, manager. I, yeah, I listen. I'm really inspired by your story. I'm okay, everybody. I'm 35, right? And so I think about like, I have one young child, right? And if three years from now somebody asks me to like change my whole trajectory, yeah, (laughs) I have like that gives me anxiety, (laughs) but that's terrifying. Um, and I think it's great that, you know, you are this role model for people to see, like, tomorrow you could wake up and decide, I'm going to change who I am. I'm going to be something different and make a a very amazing career out of that, right? So it's not too late for any of us. It's not. It's not too late. It's possible. It can happen. There's plenty of jobs out there even though they're having all those horrible layoffs, but uh, somebody's still hiring in tech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also admire really your are. story. You had so many places where anybody would say, oh yeah, it's okay if you were to bow out now. Like you had so many places where you could have bowed out, but you didn't. Like I really, really admire that about mm-hmm. your story. Um, but speaking of, um, you talked about that you're transitioning into, um, you know, being downsized. Like, what can people hire you for? What can you know if someone's listening and they're like, "Hey, I want to utilize your skill set." What kinds of opportunities are you open for right now? Well, I'm open for uh, something that is not going to make me work as hard. <laughs> you're 35. I'm 58. So I'm looking at the horizon, uh-huh. but that being said, I'm still in healthcare and I love healthcare. I love working for healthcare IT um, because I love uh, helping patients. Everything mm-hmm. we do in healthcare helps a patient. Mm-hmm. Everything that's done in healthcare IT, there's a patient on the end of what we're doing and I love patient care. So anything in healthcare IT, I'm available for it. Okay. How do people find you, Lori? How do they find you on the internet? They could find me. Um, hopefully they don't find those pictures, but anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hilarious. They can they can contact me at Lori at blackwomenintech.com. Awesome. Okay. And I believe we have your... They can send me an email. I'll be glad to talk to them. And I believe we have your social media um, information for Black Women in Tech, right? Let's see. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how long I'm going to on Twitter. Twitter. Mm-hmm. And... LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, so people can definitely get a hold of you and become part of the community so they can attend summits and be and attend virtually because they might be the only one in their area so they can get that sense of community. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story and inspiring us. It was really wonderful to get to know you a little bit more. Well, thank you. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it very much thank you as always you can find us on our website modernfigurespodcast.com 
Send your questions to ask us at modernfigurespodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter. Kyla is at Dr. Underscore Kyla, and I am at Jeremy Waysom. Visit modernfiguresinc.com to learn more about our nonprofit organization aimed at promoting and engaging with women and girls interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and of course, computing. Until next time, stay moisturized, hydrated, mind your business, and protect your peace.